chapter 12 tonight, Luke chapter 12, and here we are back in the Gospel of Luke, going through this book little by little, little by little, and we're going to take the next section here. Luke chapter 12. I came across this old story, actually, of a man in the Middle East desert who woke up in the middle of the night super hungry. And um, so he lit his candle. He grabbed a bowl of, of dates, you know, the, the, the fruit over there, uh, a bowl of dates there. He took a bite, and it didn't taste totally right. So he held it up to the candlelight, and he saw a worm inside the fruit. <laughs> he was totally disgusted, so he just threw it out of his tent. Well, he took the second date out of the bowl, and this time he held it up to the light first. And he saw another worm and threw that out of the tent. He grabbed the third date out of the bowl, and when he looked at that fruit to his disappointment and he held up to the light, yes, another worm. So out the tent, the date went. I like that. That rhymes, huh? Well, frustrated, hungry and all, he looked at the last remaining fruit that was sitting there inside the bowl. Shaking his head, there was only one thing to do. He blew out the candle and ate the rest of the fruit. <laughs> I guess he was really hungry. <laughs> Little protein doesn't hurt anybody, right? <laughs> well, as we continue in our study in the book of Luke, Jesus teaches how important it is to see things as they really are. You know, not, not what we want them to be. You know, not to turn that, that blind eye, not, not to just, ah, I don't want to see those things. So uh, eventually, and this is what he's going to talk about, everyone must come face to face with the truth. And that's the title of our message tonight, face to face with the truth. Now we're going to pick it up in verse 49 here of Luke chapter 12. We're going to go all the way to verse 59. So tonight... Face to face with the truth, Luke 12, from verse 49 through 59. So that's our next section we're going to be looking at and studying tonight. Uh, our outline is this, and actually we're finishing the chapter, aren't we? Um, our outline tonight is this, number one, the dividing line, number two, the discerning eye, and number three, the deciding time. So dividing line, discerning eye, deciding time. And did a little D thing there in our letters and alliteration. So let's begin with number one, the dividing line, the dividing line. Now, those of you taking notes, we're going to cover verse 49 through 53 here in this part uh, in our first heading, the dividing line. But first of all, let's look together here, verse 49 and verse 50. It reads, I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. So we'll stop right there as we begin here. Jesus is speaking here. We begin with Jesus continuing his teaching. The disciples are there. The crowd's been listening in. And you remember in this chapter, Jesus, he's been really emphasizing how life is not about the earthly yeah that's just temporal life is really all about the eternal and he was really emphasizing that in different ways and even in our provision you know that god will provide for us here what's important is that we focus in on god's kingdom on the eternal things and lay up our treasure uh, in heaven, not be greedy, right, for the things of the earth. So Jesus has been really emphasizing more about the eternal, the eternal, not the earthly temporal things. And then last week, last time we saw how Jesus brought up the, the, the thought that the eternal can come sooner than you think, right? Jesus can come, be prepared when he returns, and so be dressed and ready. That was the title of our message last time. Well, here Jesus continues on and he talks about how this eternal future is actually possible. It is even possible. He, he, it, this is possible for people to have this eternal life, a future in heaven. And that's what he's rolling into here. 
So he says it this way in verse 49. He comes right in. He says, I came to cast fire on earth. Now, what, what is that? That seems crazy, right? I like how the NLT translates this. The NLT puts it, I have come to set the world on fire. Now, that makes sense to me. That's like, oh, I get it. In other words, what Jesus preaches, what Jesus will do at this point when he dies on a cross, it will completely impact the world like never before. So that's what he's really rolling into, and he's coming at it with this eternal life in view. And what, why he's coming here, to give people a future in that eternal life. So he's saying, you know, I've come to cast fire on earth. I've come to set the world on fire. Now there's a good and a bad to that. There's a reality of that. There's a truth to all that. But he's coming in saying, you know, I've come here. Uh, uh, well, what I do is going to turn the whole world around. So what Jesus came to do and preach about will turn the whole world basically upside down. It will set the world on fire, so to speak. You remember, if, uh, if you can, turn to the left to Luke chapter 3. If you remember back in chapter 3 and verse 16. John the Baptist was doing his baptism. He was the forerunner of Christ, right? And in John three six, I'm sorry, Luke three sixteen, John the Baptist answered them all, saying, "I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire." Now, we talked about this back then, about how Jesus will bring the ability for people to have the Holy Spirit live within them. And I think that's going to be the topic on Saturday, too. But that's an amazing thing, different from what it was in the Old Testament. And so he's going to come with the Holy Spirit. He's going to transform lives. Jesus is going to make it so the Holy Spirit can, can come into people's lives and, 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 and that God would live in them. And he, John says here, and... Uh, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that fire, now in the Bible, fire speaks of judgment, but fire can also speak of the presence of God. And I believe what John the Baptist is talking about is the presence of God being in a person's life. And with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit purifies the life. Fire purifies also like it does with precious metals. And also fire is, I believe here, Jesus is, uh, or John is speaking about how when Jesus comes and he baptizes you with the Spirit, it's going to put a passion, a fire in your heart for God. So I believe those three things are, is what he's talking about when he talks about the fire, not only the baptism of the Spirit, the Spirit living inside of you. So if you think about that and you connect it, if you go back to Luke chapter 12 where Jesus says, I come to cast fire on the earth. He's come to turn the world upside down. He's come basically to bring God into people's lives in the, like never before. Like never, ever before. And that's how he's going to turn the world upside down, set the world on fire. He's, he's going to do something that's never done before. And with that, with the Holy Spirit in our lives, with, with eternal life that we can have in Christ, that's why Jesus says back on Luke chapter 12, verse 49 at the end, and, and would that it were already kindled. I mean, he, he wishes this fire was already out there, that, that it's already known so that people could truly be saved and have eternal life. So here's, here's this thought rolling into, you know, life's about eternal life, uh, the eternal, not the earthly. Um, you know, be ready, I'm going to come back, bring you home to heaven and the eternal. But let me tell you, that's why I came. I came to turn the world all upside down about what it's about to be saved, to, to have eternal life. And that's why in verse 50, he's like, but wait, first, I have a baptism to be baptized with. Now the word baptism uh, just means immersed. Yeah, when you're baptized in water, you're put immersed all the way into the water. Immersed, it means immersed. But when Jesus is saying that, he doesn't mean he needs to get baptized or get immersed in water. But he has to be baptized or immersed or go through the baptism of suffering and death. And that's why he says, oh, great is my distress until it's accomplished. So he's referring to the cross. He's referring to... Uh, his suffering and death, how he died on a cross for our sins, right? He took upon the penalty of our sins upon himself. He stood in place 
of where we should have been. And he took that penalty, the punishment, basically, so we wouldn't have to, and that's how we're saved. So, in order to make the eternal life possible, Jesus must die on the cross for the sins of the world. So, this is what he's talking about. I've come to, 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 to set the world on fire with what I'm going to do. Think about this. What Jesus came, and as he's speaking here, came to do, it was unexpected. It wasn't the thinking of that time. Remember we were talking about how the Jews were looking for a political Messiah? They were looking for one to come and take over the Romans and, and, and bring the kingdom of God on the earth. But, but Jesus is saying, look, I've come. I've come to this earth. I'm God, come from heaven to this earth in the flesh to teach the truth and then die for your sins. That, that was completely like, like out of the box thinking here. The people back then, they, they thought, well, we, we got to do something to be saved, right? The Jews, they had to follow their commandments and to traditions. And, and we think that many times today. Even, even as believers, we think, oh, well, we got to do something. Even though, yeah, I prayed the prayer, I got to receive Christ, but oh, I got to keep doing something. But if you really understand what the gospel is, it means that Jesus did all the work for you. Yeah? It's believing in his atonement. Yeah? And then he comes, saves us, makes us into new creation. And that's why? We, we're, we're a new person. That's why we walk the walk. That's why we, we read the Bible and find out, oh, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is the new life. This is the new person I am. But, but the world really has it backwards. And, and same as the Jews. The Jews were, were thinking, well, we got to do the commandments. We got to follow the traditions. And then God will accept us. And, and maybe we'll make it to heaven. But as Hebrews 10.4, I mentioned Sunday, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Only the perfect sacrifice of the sinless Son of God can take away our sins, and then we can have that eternal life. So, here's Jesus saying, I, I've come to cast fire on earth, to set it on fire, to, to bring something, to turn it all upside down. For I, God the Son, have come here at this time to bring this truth to the world, to set the world on fire. This, this was like history in the making. That's what he's saying here. This, this, was, this was to turn the world all upside down. So Jesus came to set the world on fire, see, so that the truth of salvation in Jesus will radically change how people come to God. That's the point here. It, it, it's a total different way of thinking of the world back then and even today. I mean, it, it just seems kind of crazy. What? Um, Jesus did this for me? What? Well, believe in Jesus and he died on Christ. It's just a total different thinking. Yeah? His righteousness is put upon me because he atoned for my sins. That, that's even hard to conceive sometimes. We, 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 I think we grow up in a society, right, where, and, and I mean, we, we do. I mean, you work hard, you get, you know, you do your homework. Do good on your test, you get an A, yeah? You know, you work hard at, at work and you get promoted. And, and so we're, we're in this mode of, you know, doing something to get rewarded. And then Jesus comes and, and does something totally radical like, no, I did it for you. You just believe in me and I'll give you the A, yeah? You just believe in me, I'll give you the promotion into eternal life. So this is where Jesus is coming in. Hey, I've come in, yeah. To set the world on fire. Because I'm coming. I'm doing something. A history making event here. The truth of salvation. Jesus will radically change how people come to God. That's what he's putting forth here. You know back, back in history. In, uh, during World War II. The introduction of penicillin. Right. It was called. Quote, the wonder drug. There was nothing like it before that. That uh, the story, right, is the accidental discovery years before by Alexander Fleming, who, who was trying to find something and accidentally uh, this mold he found in the petri dish killed this bacteria, and that that's how basically penicillin was discovered. And and so during um, the uh, World War II, uh, uh, soldiers were miraculously that's what they were saying healed by this first antibiotic, penicillin. It set the world on fire. It was history-making. Today, you know, many of us, we take antibiotics as, as whenever we're sick or no more everyday part of life. We don't think about it. But back then, penicillin radically changed medicine and saved countless 
lives during World War II and afterwards. It, it, it was groundbreaking. It was, it was just amazing here. So when penicillin was introduced first in the world, it set the world on fire. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's coming in here with, with his gospel, with what he's going to do, with the cross, with the truth of God, with salvation in Jesus. And he says, I come to set the world on fire. Yeah. I have this baptism I've got to go to. I'm distressed, but it has to be accomplished. But I've come here for... I, w- I wish it was done already, he's saying. Yeah. I wish that oh, salvation was there, but I've I, I got I to gotta walk this road first. I think we should be reminded of that, of what Jesus has done in our lives. I mean, I, I was thinking today, oh, none of us would be here right now, tonight. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. Where would you be without Jesus, right? What would your life be like? Remember what it was like before Jesus? Think of what he's done in your life today. Why, while you're here right now, the blessings, the, the changes. It's not you, it's God. Who's done that, right? It wasn't you that did some special thing that that took away the guilt and that heavy weight, you know, upon you. It was Jesus. It was his blood. It was was what he did on the cross. It's something real that happened to us. And, And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes maybe we we think, oh, kind of every day, but but it's a miracle, you guys, yeah? It's a miracle we're here. And it's a miracle how Jesus radically changed the world and salvation is now possible for anybody, anyone. It's not for the Jews. It's not for some elite spiritual people. It's not for the real good people of the world or who are super holy or special. For anybody can be saved. And that what Jesus was bringing here and what he was saying here in chapter 12 was basically revolutionary. And that's what he meant. You know what? I came to cast fire on the earth. I, I, I came to just turn the world upside down and literally to baptize in the Holy Spirit, literally to put that fire in. But there's a good and bad to this. So Jesus comes in now and look at verse 51 through 53. He says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Now, this is interesting. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against the father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. So what is he talking about? Well, Jesus now says something super radical. It's kind of, first of all, it's kind of like, wait, wait, I don't get this, Jesus, because didn't Jesus come to give us peace, <laughs> right? Well, did, didn't he give us peace? He does, right? But he's saying, no, I've, I've, I'm come, and there's going to be division. What is that? Didn't Jesus say in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, right? Not as the world gives, I give to you. You know, let your heart not be troubled because I'm giving you peace. But here, as he's teaching here, he's like, hey, I've come to bring division. It's like, wait, what? Not peace? Wait, what's, what's going on? Yeah, not peace on earth, but rather division. What does he mean by here? Well, remember, the Jews expected the Messiah to come, take over the Romans and bring peace, right? By conquering the land and bringing God's kingdom. And that, oh, that's the peace they were looking for. Not, not the continual contention between the Romans and the authority there and, and everything. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying the first coming of the Messiah will really result in a division in society. Not the peace of Israel as a nation uh, so that you know, all their enemies are gone, but pe- there will be division in the society. We're in a house, which he's talking about our fa- a family, which is where the most intimate relationships are. He said, in a house, in a household of, say, five people, he says, two will be against three, three against two. Uh, everyone's going to be against each other. The father against the, the, the son, the son, the mother, mother, you know, everything, all the scenarios he put there. So he's saying where the closest relationship sh- should be will come 
the deepest divisions. Matthew 10, 36 says, And a person's enemies will be those of his own household, Jesus said back there. So why is that? Why is all of a sudden Jesus talking about there's division? I've come, and not to bring peace, but division, division in the family. You know why? And this is his point. Jesus Christ and salvation in the cross becomes the dividing line in relationships. The dividing line. Because not everyone's going to believe, right? Not everyone's going to embrace who Jesus is. Not everyone's going to come to the Lord and, and see, see Jesus as God and receive Him. And so there's going to be some division within the closest relationship. Those who embrace Jesus against those who don't. Those who believe and those who don't believe. So Jesus Christ and the salvation of the cross becomes the dividing line in relationship. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm coming in. I'm going to set the world on fire. It's a good thing, but there's a bad thing. People aren't going to like it. Some people aren't going to believe. <laughs> and so there's going to be that contention in that way. And that's part of this fire also. You know, I, I think for me, um, being Japanese and growing up that way, um, it made me more of like, a peacemaker. I think, I think most Japanese people are a little more mellow about things, more peacemaker and, and than drawing lines and making enemies, right? But you know, after I came to the Lord, after I was saved, I came to realize the truth that is in Jesus. And that I saw there, 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 there's a, a line drawn in the sand, actually, right? Why is that? Because there's only, under, there's no other name under heaven in Acts, right? It says, uh, that we would be saved. And that's Christ. There's a line drawn in the sand. There's only one way you can be saved. To have salvation and go to heaven. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, you talk to people. I would talk to people and about Jesus. And they're like, and, and I was a teenager and I got saved. So, you know, they're like, oh, that, that's good for you. You know, the adults, oh, oh that's good for you. But, and, and I would hear things like, oh, there's many roads to God. It's like the spokes on a wheel. They all lead to the center. And so all the religions end up going to, to, to God. But if you think about that, it cannot be. Especially when, when Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, I am. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And to God. Jesus is, is the truth. Yeah, there's, there's, if you look at other religions in Christianity, there's a lot of contradictions there. There's a lot of things that don't match. And so what's true? Well, I believe in an absolute truth. And I believe it's what we find in the Bible. And I believe Jesus is that absolute truth. Because he says, I am the truth. And I am the life. There's only one way you can have eternal life and have new life. And that's through Him. And no one can come to the Father, to the Father God, to go to heaven or have a relationship with God except through Jesus. That's pretty, pretty strict there. Yeah. It's not, it's not this all roads lead to God or, you know, spokes of the wheel kind of thing. That's a pretty radical statement. So this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus Christ, His salvation in the cross, becomes that dividing line. There's only one way. And so this is another way Jesus sets the world on fire. I mean, He's coming in just history-making you know, statements. And, oh, you've you got to believe in Me. I'm going to die on a cross for your sins. I mean, to be saved, to go to heaven, to know God in that way. That, that, that's unlike ever before. Of course, there was prophecies and all, but here's Jesus, God Himself, preaching this. And so people are not going to see what believers see, and that will bring division. So be aware of that. I think tonight we, we have to be aware there's people in our family, our relatives, they're not going to see what we see. And they may even be antagonistic. They may attack us. They may, they may come against us in that way, but... But that's part of what, you know, it, it is. Because Jesus is pretty, pretty straight on this and there's only one way. Many Christians in other countries are persecuted too, you know, by even their own family. 
And maybe you have been put down, you know. Uh, maybe you've been like laughed at or, oh, you're just, I, I, you know, I remember my mother used to say, oh, you're just going through a phase. <laughs> it's been a long phase. <laughs> right? Right? But you know what? My, my mother and father, they received Christ when they were, how old were they? Like 78? 78. I was saved at 14. So don't give up. Because you know what the truth is. Yeah. And you hold on to the light. You know what that is. Because when you're attacked like that, there's a lot of temptation maybe uh, to kind of pedal back on your witness or, 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 or not really say what you should be saying. And, or even some people, the big temptation is not to follow Jesus at all and return to the old life. But this is what this is the the truth we gotta face up to that not everyone is gonna receive Jesus like we have. And so Jesus is putting this up. Hey, I've come, I'm gonna set the world on fire, I'm gonna turn everything upside upside down, bringing this way to come to God like never ever before. I'm making that way. And this is the way through me, but you know what? I've also come to divide. People in their own in the most intimate relationships will come the deepest divisions in that way. And it's sadly, it happens. A few years back, a Muslim man was convicted in Texas, you know why? For what is called honor killings. You, ever, you guys ever heard that? Honor killings? He's Muslim. He killed his own daughter and her husband because his daughter converted to Christianity and uh, shamed the family and she married another Christian man. So the father, as an honor killing, as a, a, a Muslim person, killed and he was convicted. Crazy. Crazy. So when Jesus said, Yeah, come, set on fire, things are going to be turned upside down. Yes, sometimes that happens. So we got to understand belief in Jesus. It can become the dividing line. So, even though it does that, we got to be willing to stand with Jesus and be willing to come face to face with the truth and the reality of these things here. All right, so we see number one, the dividing line. And now we come to number two, the discerning eye. The discerning eye. So Jesus goes on here. We're going to be covering verse 54 through 56 in this section. But first, let's take a look at the first two verses here. Verse 54, it says, He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you, you say at once, A shower is coming, and so it happens. Verse 55, And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. So we'll stop there. Now Jesus is challenging the people listening here. It says here, he also said to the crowds. Now, the people have come all around to hear Jesus teach and preach. And, and within the crowd, it's this mixed multitude of crowds. I mean, some believe, some don't. Some are interested, but not committed. Some are really interested, are really, really listening to everything. Some, some only come to be entertained, the healings, oh, the miracles, you know, it's, it's entertaining, and, but not really to honestly in their heart seek the Lord. So, he, so he's beginning to even open up more to those people. And, and, and first, Jesus affirms the people. He goes, you guys all know, I know you guys are smart, you know. You guys, you guys say this, you, when you see a cloud rising in the west. So when they see a cloud coming from the west, and that the west in, in Israel would be the Mediterranean Sea. So from the ocean side, you see the clouds coming. You say, well, it's going to rain. They know that. They can tell the weather from that. And then, well, he says, and, and when you see the south wind blow, right? From the south is a desert area. So you get like the Kona winds, you know, like the, the warm winds that blow. You go, oh, wow, it's going to be hot today, you know. I'm going to dress differently. And so Jesus is like, yeah, you guys are smart. You, you, you know, you, you, you can adequately prepare accordingly, right, in how you see the signs and the weather and all. 
It's like the saying goes, red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in the morning, sailor's warning, right? You know, there's little sayings, you know, that people have. You could tell it by the weather. Well, then Jesus says this in verse 56. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? So Jesus gets real here. He's calling to this crowd, this mixed multitude of people, right? And he's saying, you hypocrites, yeah? You say you know, you say you can do all these things, but you really don't, yeah? You know the word hypocrite in the, in the Greek? It, it really comes from um, uh, the, the, the word for like actors. Back then in the Greek place, they, put, they would wear masks, you know, to play parts in a play. They were, they were, that's what they're doing. They're hypocrites in that way. So that's the idea of hypocrites. They're just putting a mask on like, oh yeah, we know, we know. But he goes, you guys, you carry yourself like you're ex- experts. Yeah? You guys think, oh, you can tell the signs in the weather and everything, that you know what's going to happen, predict the weather, and, and prepare properly from those signs in the earth and sky. But the reality is just a mask. Because you're not experts. You're really novices. You're just, you're, in, when, in, when it comes in regards to what's happening at the present time. And what's happening? What did Jesus say? I've come to set the world on fire. And who is he? The Messiah is here. That's the time. It's the present time of the Messiah. When the long-for, long-awaited Messiah that had been prophesied throughout the Old Testament, Jesus is now there, and they're still sitting there. Well, I don't know if I'll really believe. Oh, it's interesting what you say. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't really come to that point where, oh, I don't know if I'll really cast my vote there. Oh, I just come for the food, yeah? Jesus will provide food. Oh, I just come for the entertainment, see the healing. So Jesus is like, you guys are hypocrites. You pride yourself and seeing the signs of the earth and sky, yet, look at what's happening right now in front of you. Who's standing there right in front of you? The Messiah. This is the time of the coming of the Messiah of God. Yeah, with all the signs that like Jesus is you know, giving, they still didn't fully embrace Him. Right in front of them is Jesus. Jesus who heals the sickness, right? Cleanse the lepers, open blind eyes, makes the deaf to hear, the paralyzed walk. He multiplies the fish and bread right, and provides for all that. He controls the elements, the wind and the storms. And, and on top of all, he's speaking the word of God. God is speaking. And, you know, people are saying, wow, we've never heard a rabbi speak like that before. Everyone can tell there's something different. Everything the Messiah was prophesied to do Jesus did. And these experts in reading and weather hypocritically hypocritically cannot read Jesus correctly. Because if you knew the Messiah of God was there, you would embrace him, right? You, you, you would grab everything you can in what he's saying and believe and, and totally, totally commit to Jesus. But they're so blind to who was standing right in front of them and speaking, speaking there to them. Live right there, right? So Jesus is saying, look, you guys, you need to come face to face with the truth here. Jesus calls on the people to have the discerning eye and not deny who he is. That's what Jesus is saying. Come on, you hypocrites. He, he says it straight to them because he's reaching them. He's not like putting them down. He, he's just waking them up and getting their attention. To, Jesus calls on the people to have the discerning eye and not deny who he is. You know that phrase, um, turning a blind eye, I said it earlier. It actually comes from a real incident that happened in 1801. The famous Admiral Nelson led the British fleet in a heavy battle against the Danish and Norwegian Navy. The battle went bad for Britain in this this sea battle. So um, uh, Admiral Nelson's commander, Admiral Parker, sent an order to disengage the attack because things were just going bad, like disengage, kind of retreat back. And so he sent this message to Nelson back then. It was by flags. The the, uh, Parker's boat would 
put up certain flags to send a message to tell Admiral Nelson and his boat and his fleet to back off, right? And so those flags went up. Well, Admiral Nelson was so stubborn, so much so that when his officers told him, hey, the flags are up, this is what Park's saying, Nelson put the telescope to his bad eye, a blind eye, and he said, I don't see anything. And he refused to recognize and obey what was there. And so that's where we get that phrase, turn a blind eye, because he put the, the, the telescope or whatever, they, is that what they call that? Telescope to um, his bad eye and purposely to not see it. Is that what we do sometimes? Like the, like the, the Middle East man eating the dates, you know? Do we just purposely turn a blind eye, deliberately ignoring God? God is giving us signs. God is speaking to us. God is speaking to us in, in, in the Word and at church or, or in worship or in our prayer time or in our devotional time or we read a devotional or we're reading the, through the Bible in one year and God is speaking to us, but we're like, ah, flip the page. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, I don't like that part. I'm going to keep flipping. You know, yeah? Do we do that? Are we de- deliberately ignoring God? We must not ignore God any longer. We must no longer disregard the signs. Because you know what God is doing? He's not harping on you. He's not like some dictatorial parent or something. He loves you so much. He's reaching out to you. He's saying, no, no, stop, stop. He's reaching out to you. No, no, this is who you are now. Not that. He's reaching out to you to give you course corrections. Yeah. To help you not go back to the old life, to go back into bondage. He's trying to help you to live that new life in the Holy Spirit and walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And so God can speak you through the Word or He can give you signs. Have you ever had those signs? Or, you know, someone calls, happens and calls, and it's, oh, it's that exact thing God was trying to deal with me. Yeah? Right? Or you hear a song on the radio, like, oh, change the station. You know? Right? That's the sign. That's what God is trying to say and speak to us. And so we need to have that discerning eye, not a blind eye anymore, and fall into surrender before God and fall into His will. And I'll tell you what, that's where joy is. That's where fulfillment is. It's scary sometimes. But you will not be happier, more fulfilled, and changed until you do what God asking you to do, because this is His plan. This is His will. All right, we've seen a dividing line, the discerning eye. Now we come to our last section, the deciding time. The deciding time. And so we finish up this chapter. Uh, verse 57, first of all. Jesus says, And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? So here's Jesus again challenging them to make the choice, basically. To what, why, why wait? Why do you not judge for yourselves right now? The evidence is staring you in the face. Why are you delaying? You can see the truth in what is right. So why not make the move now? Why not choose to do the right thing to do? Think about this. Jesus, right? The Messiah. God in the flesh, right? God come from heaven, being born a human being, has come to the earth and is standing in front of them. And so Jesus, are you guys listening to what I'm saying? There's, there's a choice here. Heaven has never come closer than it is now ever in your life, and I'm right in front of you. Yeah, The Lord Jesus is right in front of, right in front of their face. I like something that William MacDonald said in this section. He said, They had the intellectual capacity to know, but they did not have the will to know, and thus they were self-deluded. I thought that was wow. Yeah. It, it wasn't that they, they, they couldn't understand that God was there in front of them and you know that Jesus Christ was there, but they didn't have that will. They didn't want to know. And so Jesus is like, look, why, why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? Can, don't you see what's going on here? Don't you see who I am? Don't you see all the evidence and the signs and everything? 
I mean, can't you judge for yourselves? What's the right thing to do? So then Jesus gives this scenario here now. In verse 58, As you go with your accusers before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, verse 59, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. So Jesus is trying to get them to understand this. And they, everyone would understand this scenario. So he puts out this scenario. Like if someone is basically taking you to court because you owe them a lot of money. That's the scenario. Right? And he's saying, so on your way to the magistrate or the court here, if you, if, if you owe this person a lot of money, they're taking you to court on their way, wouldn't you guys make every effort to settle out of court, basically, before you both face the judge? Because you owe this money. It's pretty bad. You know, you're in a bad situation. So won't you work out some deal and settle out of court? That way you can avoid like, like facing the judge and then you end up going to basically prison, a debtor's prison, and, and you'll never get out until every last penny is paid. Wouldn't it be better to settle before you get to that point? That's what Jesus is talking about. In the same way, Jesus is saying you should do everything you can to settle your spiritual account with God. So you see what he's saying here? What are you guys seeing in me now? Judge for yourselves. What's the right thing to do? I'm the Messiah. I have a message. I've come to help you with this. To help you with this issue of salvation, your sin, eternal life, going to heaven. If you, if you want to make it the eternal, the most important thing about your life, then you've got to see for who I am, Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, look, I'm right here, so wouldn't it be wise to settle things with me, <laughs> you know, right now, right? Before you die and then face the judgment. That, that's what he's talking about. Jesus is offering to settle by paying the penalty of your sin. So Jesus is like, why not take me up on that offer now? Because you know what? There is no later. That's the idea. Later is basically too late. And so Jesus brings them face to face with the truth. Failure to deal with sin now will, will result with eternal consequences. So our last point is this. The deciding time to settle the penalty of sin is now before you die. That's what Jesus is saying. We got, you got to settle this now. You, you can't sit there, arms crossed, and, and keep thinking about it. Look at what's going on. Look at what I'm saying. Look what I've done. you got to settle this now. The deciding time to settle the penalty of sin is now before you die. You know, um, uh, years ago, um, uh, someone was coming to our church, and they since moved to Oahu, but uh, I was shocked later, after I, I knew him, he was with us for a while, I was shocked that he was once on the FBI list of the most wanted. I was like, what? What? And I knew he had this past, and uh, but, he, but I remember his story, and I didn't know that was really part of the story, but... Um, and part of his story too, um, testimony really, what God did when, when he was arrested and awaiting his trial, he, he had totally dedicated his life to Christ and he prayed really hard to, to not have to stay in prison and he, he worked with the, the, his attorney and everything. You know what? God did a miracle because by the time he went court and everything, um, he was released. And, and the Lord just did this thing, you know. It was it was amazing, you know. And and He was on the FBI most wanted list in Hawaii, crazy, right? And yet God did that, and God um, rescued him and saved him from that. So I think about I remember how much effort He put into not really wanting to go to prison for a long time. In a similar way, Jesus is saying that. How many of you, well, make that effort, a huge effort to settle before going into debtor's prison? Don't you have to do the same thing now? 
concerning your spiritual life, concerning eternal life, shouldn't we make all the effort we can to stay out of hell, right? Stay out of that judgment. Wouldn't we embrace Jesus fully so we wouldn't have to after we die? See, if the crowd really realized the significance of who was standing in front of them, the significance of this day, they were living in the time, the long way to time when the Messiah would come to the earth and save the people from their sins. They would go, whoa. They would all embrace him, right? They would be in a hurry to make peace with God through Jesus Christ. And that's it, you guys, for us today even. Anyone online? The deciding time is right now. Make peace with God right now. Go to Jesus right now. Enough already with the sin. Enough already with the old life. Enough already. Let Jesus free you. Let, let, go to Jesus, and if you're a Christian now, he has freed you. You've, Romans 6, you've died with Christ. You've been baptized into his death. But you've been brought up into this new life in him. And now you have a choice to say yes to unrighteousness or no to unrighteousness. Yes to righteousness or no, I'm going to live the whole life. No, we are free now from the bondage of sin. We're new creations. So enough already. Let's decide today to know Jesus and be saved, to be made right, to have a future in heaven, eternal life there. And let's make the choice today and say, God, I'm going to make every effort to live the new life because I have the choice to be free. I'll close with this. Uh, Years back, uh, PGA Championship golfer Paul Ozinger was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 33 in 1993. As uh, Ozinger lay on the table in the x-ray room, he said this, A genuine feeling of fear came upon me. I could die from cancer. But then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die eventually anyway, whether from cancer or something else. I'm definitely going to die. It's just a question of when. Well, at that moment, he remembered something, uh, this uh, man named Larry Moody, who leads a Bible study on on the PGA Tour. uh, And he had said something to him many times before, and which really led um, Azinger to give give his life to Christ. Well, Moody had told him, uh, Azinger, we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying trying to get to the land of the living. I like that. Uh, Azinger then writes, My major championship, my ten victories before that, everything I had accomplished in golf became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was live. I think that's what comes down to it. We want to live, yeah? Don't we want to live? I mean live, yeah? Not be under the bondage, not be, not be wrapped up in sin. It's not the material thing. It's not all this stuff. It's the eternal things. It's our relationship with God. It's, it's having life in us. It's having that waking up in the morning like, oh, Jesus, I get another day, opportunity to live for you. It's, it's, it's waking up with joy in our heart from God, no matter how hard it is going on all around you. That's what it's about. All I want to do is live. How about you? I just want to live. Yeah, We are in the land of the dying, trying to get to the land of the, the, the living, which is eternal life. But you know, right now, we can live. We have, did you know we have that eternal life right now? Yeah. So even if we pass, we're going to go to heaven. That's eternal life. But it's in us. We're, that's part of us. And that's who we are now, a child of God. So let's remember it all came to pass because we believed in the provision that Christ has done for us. And that's what's real here tonight. Maybe you guys have been walking with Christ for a while, but, but, but come to that reality in your mind that no matter what you're going through, no matter what struggles there are, maybe, maybe you're battling some 
some habits of sin or whatever that is. The re real reality is that you've been freed of that and you're going toward victory right now. The reality is that you don't have to, to live in that way, that you can embrace Christ totally. And the reality is God is right there with you and the Holy Spirit is in you. He's there for you. So know that. Know that. And it's all because of the provision of Christ and why He came. He came to turn the world upside down, to set the world on fire. And so when we truly understand that, then we come face to face with the truth. And that will deliver us. That will change us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. And Jesus, thank you for preaching and teaching. And I'm so grateful for how you had the apostles or like this writer Luke to record what you said. And almost 2,000 years later, we are studying, we are looking, we are, are, are reading the very words that you said, Lord, in our language. And, and thank you that we can learn and hear from you and hear your truths and principles. And God, we know, we believe that Jesus, you are the way, you are the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through you. So, Lord, I pray for anyone in the sound of my voice right now that has never received Christ, that they would do that right now, that they would bow their head, that they would confess their sins, that they would repent and turn from their sins and, and say that from their heart, and that they would believe in the death of, the, uh, of you, Jesus, on the cross, and that they would believe of your blood that washes them and has been a, the, is the atonement for their sins. And so I pray that you would forgive them and that you give them new life and that they would just pray a simple prayer in surrendering their heart and life to you. And Lord, for the rest of us, I pray over everyone, God, that you would help us come face to face with the truth that we have victory in you, that we come face to face with the truth that we have eternity and the truth is Jesus. You came to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, God. And may you burn that fire in our heart with a strong presence, Lord, that we see and feel, with uh, the purity of what the fire does in cleansing us and making us more holy and godly and putting within us a fire of this passion for you, God, to love you more and more, Lord. We want to love you. And sometimes we get in the way, Lord, but we want to be a living sacrifice, deny ourselves, put aside ourselves, God, and make life totally about you, Jesus. So, God, here we are, Lord, bowed to you, surrendered, and thankful that you love us so much. And you give us so much grace and mercy. And you are here right now with us. In Jesus' name, amen.